How many of you guys appreciate the Word of God? You love the Word of God. That, that you, this, is, this, is, this is precious and important to your life. Right? The Word of God is an amazing thing. It is filled with so many truths, so many revelations, so many, so many things that you can actually take the Word of God and make it say a lot of things. You can make the Word of God by taking certain truths. You can, you can make it say things that it was never intended to say. There have been things done in the name of God because of taking the Word of God and misappropriating it, right? Not, not rightly dividing the Word of Truth. So today we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about how are we to interpret the Word of God? What, what is the purpose of reading Scripture? What's the number one purpose of reading Scripture? Have you ever thought about that? What is the number one purpose of studying the Scripture? There's lots of purposes that you can have when studying Scripture. But what is the number one? Because if we get the foundational purpose, if we get the number one purpose incorrect, wrong, we can get into some strange doctrines. We can get into some strange areas. We can get into a place of, of religion. I mean, think about the, 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 the Jews. They forgot the covenant to Abraham that, that said through Abraham's seed, singular, that all the nations, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Right? But that's not, that, that's not what they interpreted Scripture. They said when the Messiah comes, he was, he was going to be a military leader. That he, he was going to deliver them from, from their, their, their captives, which was Rome at the time. Right? They were thinking that this is why Jesus showed up. And if you don't, if you don't understand the main purpose of Scripture, you can get into error. So today we're going to see. We're going to, and, and one of the things is, is if you don't understand the main purpose of Scripture, you, you, studying Scripture can become a burden instead of joy. It, it can become burdensome. Um, many, many people see spending time in, in, in God's Word as a discipline. Think about that. I have to discipline myself to study God's Word. Do you have to discipline your, would you have to discipline yourself to read a love letter? One that has the aroma of perfume on it? No, you, you, you stick that away. And every once in a while, throughout your day, you just pull it out and you read it. When you're getting down and, and frustrated with life, you pull out that love letter and you read it. I'm getting ahead of myself. But if you, do, if, you, if you don't understand the main purpose of Scripture, it becomes a chore. It becomes a religious obligation. It becomes something to stay in God's good graces. And for many, that's the purpose of opening Scripture. And 
I believe purpose is good. We should always have a purpose when we do things, right? You should have a purpose in why you do things. But the purpose is important in why we do things. The purpose in giving, the purpose, the purpose of praying, the purpose of doing good to, to your fellow man. What is the intent? What is the purpose behind it? I mean, it says that you can give all, all your wealth, all your riches to the poor. But if the purpose is not love, it profits you nothing. Think about that. There's a lot of people, a lot of Christians that are doing things with the wrong motive, with the wrong purpose. You should always have a purpose. And you should ha especially have a purpose when you're studying God's Word. Right? Now, I guess, and I guess spending time in God's Word for spending time in God's Word's sake without any purpose is better than not spending any time in God's Word at all. Right? Because Holy Spirit can grab a hold of you, get you some revelation. Right? But we should have a purpose. There's a greater reason. There's a greater purpose for studying this letter that has been given to us from heaven. Do we study God's... So what is the purpose? Do we study God's Word to find a standard of morality? Is that the purpose? That's what many people use the Word of God for. To be able to, to see that I am right and those are wrong. Right? And... and, and And you can find in Scripture, if that is the purpose to find right and wrong, you can find it in Scripture. And, we, and you know people that that's the purpose of Scripture. They're called the self-righteous ones. The holier-than-thou ones. Right? They have a standard. Jesus had those same people in His day called Pharisees. That looked, for, looked to find how can I be right with God? How can I abstain from what is wrong? And what's interesting about that is we always lessen the, the blow. Of, we lessen and, and get things that we can attain to. Right? The Scripture, the main purpose of the Scripture is not to f find out what is morally correct. The main purpose of Scripture is not to find out what is right and what is wrong in God's eyes. And for some people, that, that's surprising to, to them. Does that surprise you? Listen to St. Paul. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14, it says, For this reason I bow my knee before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and earth is named, that according to the riches of His glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit, in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love. You know, just as I was reading this, you know, uh, Amanda and I were coming, coming to church this morning, and we were listening to the radio, and there's a very popular song on, and it, 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 and it just, it boggles my mind, just like we taught last Sunday, about who's the variable, you know, that we're, it seems like the church is always waiting on God. And God's not the variable. We are. We're the variable. Right? And there, there was a song, a very popular song by a very popular group. And it, was, it, it got to like a, 
I don't know what you call it, bridge or chorus or what. I'm the wrong person to ask on that stuff. But they started singing, my praises go up and it comes down. My praises go up and it comes down. My praises go up, it comes down. This, that's a very familiar way of singing. It's a very familiar thing to say almost. But it's not biblical. It says here, be strengthened in your inner man. We don't need our praises to go up. It's almost as if the church deliberately denies the finished work of Christ. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says God lives in you. Can you get any plainer than that? You are filled with the fullness of God. That's a little... Did you see the rabbit? Because that was the rabbit trail. We didn't catch it. It's still running. So think about that. But this... Let's just keep going. That we would be rooted and grounded in love. What does it mean to be rooted? What does it mean to be grounded? That sounds like a foundation. That sounds like something that you are anchored in, into. I think we're getting close to understanding what the main purpose of Scripture. What we need to be anchored into when we study Scripture, when we read Scripture. It goes on to say in verse 18, May... Uh, Is that correct? Yeah. Being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend. Think about this. This truth is so powerful. It's it's so big. Look, Look at the wording. That you need strength. You need supernatural strength to be able to comprehend it. Wow. To comprehend with all the saints... So there's no one left out. What is the breadth, the length, the height, the depth? And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. So you need supernatural strength to be able to comprehend this because with our little brains and with our little experience of this life, it, 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 it supersedes our ability to understand. That you may be filled with the fullness of God. Now, now to Him who is able to do far more abundantly than we ask or think according to the power at work within us. Not according to the power that, he's, that when we praise comes down from heaven. The, the power that is in you. And, and do you think that understanding being rooted and grounded in the love of God plays a part in with us being able to understand this power that is within us. To Him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. You know, this isn't just written to the first apostles. This, is, this power and this ability that was given to the church didn't pass away with the apostles, right? Because it says to all generations forever and ever Amen. Right? We will forever live through the Spirit that lives within us. This was Paul's heart. This was his desire for the church. Not only that they would grasp the love of God, 
but they would experience its reality, its truth. My voice is cracking. I am going through puberty. I don't know. <laughs> this is the number one purpose of studying Scripture. To know the love of God. This is the purpose of Scripture. And all other purposes are secondary purposes. And they must submit themselves to the biblical revelation of the love of God. This love had a climax. The climax of God's love is when the Word itself became flesh and dwelt among us. It dwelt among us. It dwelt among us. Jesus Christ is the express image of God. He is the Word of God with skin on. He, we don't have to question what God looks like. We don't have to question what God would do. We don't have to question what, he is, what He's willing to do. He, we don't have to question who's worthy of receiving Him. We don't have to question who, who He... he who's... Who, Who's uh, worthy of, of having him come into their home or any of those things? God revealed himself through Jesus Christ, and by understanding the word through Jesus Christ, understanding the love of God, you now can understand your Heavenly Father. I mean, yes, the Bible gives us a standard of morality, right? But it's not the main purpose of Scriptures. The Bible teaches us right from wrong, but again, that's not the main goal. It is said that rules without relationship lead to rebellion. If, if you are a strict parent and all you have is rules, all you have is rules, all you have is rules, all you have is discipline, and you do not have relationship, it will lead to your children rebelling. Rebelling against you. But if you understand, if your children understand love, that they understand that they are accepted, that they, that they are ch your child and you care for them and you love them, then they follow your direction based off, my father knows what's best for me. My father wants what's best for me. All other voices are of an enemy that's trying to rob, kill, and destroy. All other ways are not the ways that lead to life. There is only one way to lead to life, and that's through the love of my Heavenly Father, expressed in Jesus Christ. Do you understand that? The heart of the Scripture is to show you that, the, that you have a Father who loves you, more than your human mind can comprehend. Reading Scripture without putting this main purpose first will cause you to read it incorrectly. It will cause you to read it incorrectly. For instance, want to look at something? How about this? In 2 Timothy 2.15. You guys know this Scripture. It says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. So this is what we're talking about today. We want to rightly divide the word of truth. Why are we studying Scripture, right? And if you 
were like I was before I understood the purpose of the Scripture was to reveal how much God loves me. You interpret this Scripture right here to say, study the Scriptures to prove to God that you are a workman that does not need to be ashamed. You guys are shaking your heads like, yep, that sounds right. But you know that there's a hook, there's a, there's a catch to it, don't you? You must study the Word faithfully, you must study it diligently, and your studying will prove to God that I'm a good student of His Word. Someone that is really seeking Him. In other words, we study the Word of God to prove something to God. And by doing this, we can get God's stamp of approval and His acceptance on our lives, and then we will be able to rightly divide the Word of Truth. See, if you see this passage this way, you would understand it the same way that many have interpreted the Scripture to me. But let's walk through this Scripture. Let's take a closer look. Very first, first word. Study. This is easy, right? This part is easy. It means to take the Bible and dig into it. Right? To show thyself. Study to show thyself. We need to show somebody something. Who needs to be shown? Thyself. We need to show ourselves something. We're not trying to show God something. We're trying to show ourselves something. You need to study in order to show something to yourself. What must we show ourselves? Why are we studying? What do we need to show ourselves? Study to show thyself approved unto God. You are that you we study that you show yourselves that you're approved of God. You 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 are to study the word of God for the purpose of finding out that you're approved, that you're accepted, that you are loved by God. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed. When you study to show that yourself that you have been approved, you've been accepted by God, you, you, why would you ever need to be ashamed? You don't need to be ashamed when you know how much you're accepted. You don't need to be ashamed when you know how much you're approved. You don't need to be ashamed when you know how much God loves you. Why would you be a workman that would, be, that would be ashamed. Because you know you've been rooted, you've been grounded in the love of God. And because if you are proved you're accepted and loved by God, there's no reason that you'd ever need to be ashamed. See, the problem is, is that when we, shame comes when we are not rooted and grounded in God's acceptance. We are trying to earn God's acceptance. That's when shame comes. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So finally, when you have proven to yourself that you have been approved, that you have been accepted, that you have been loved by God, one that no longer has any reason for shame, you become a person 
who rightly divides the word of truth. You cannot rightly divide the word of truth until you know the main purpose of Scripture. The main purpose of Scripture is to show that you are loved, that you are accepted, that you are justified, that you, that you have been approved by God. You will fail to rightly divide the Word of God if you read Scripture without any, with, without any other, with, with another lens to interpret it through. The only lens that we are to interpret Scripture through is the same charge that Paul gave Timothy. To show yourself, prove to yourself from Scripture that you have been approved of God. That's what Paul told Timothy. To study the Word of God, to discover for himself that he is approved, that he is accepted, that he is loved by his Father. And this is the same charge that we have too. This is the same reason we read Scripture too. If you study the Word for any other reasons, you, you, won't rightly be, you won't rightly be able to... You will not be able to rightly divide the Word of truth. Amen. This is the radical truth. If we really think about this, it sets everything up decently in order when this is your foundation of Scripture. I mean, you, you, you just take, you take, you can take things that, I mean, right now it's a hot topic and interesting to everybody right now. You know, end time prophecy, right? And people come up with all of, this, of all of these different strange doctrines. But the problem is it doesn't seem like it really balances out with the Gospel of Jesus Christ with the finished work of Jesus Christ. You know, it brings people into a motivation of fear. Do you know God never motivates people with fear? Fear has torment. It says perfect love, and God is love. God is love, right? It says perfect love casts out fear. So when you truly read Scripture based on Love, how much God loves you, how God approves of you, it can't produce fear in you. Because when you see God for who He truly is, it will cast out fear. And the church has used fear to motivate people for centuries. Many of you are sitting here today because you're, you were afraid. You were afraid to go to hell. The only reason a lot of us are here is because we're afraid of going to hell. And it's true. There is a hell. And it was created for the devil and his angels. Right? But that's not good news. Good news isn't that I'm going to hell. Good news isn't even that God will save you from hell. Good news is God doesn't even want you to think about hell. God wants you to experience His love. God wants you to experience His life. God wants you to, to rule and reign in His kingdom. That's good news. And that Jesus Christ has transferred you from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of His dear Son. That you're no longer an orphan. But you're a child. A child of God. That's good news. 
And that's why people should serve God. Not out of fear. Not out of, of, of dread. You know, you, you, can get, you can get into Scripture, especially in this, these end times things, where you are motivated by fear, you, and, then, and then of what tomorrow's going to bring, or the Antichrist, all these things. Or, it makes you to hate people. Think about that. If we're using Scripture to bring fear into people's life and then to hate certain groups of people, is, can you say that's Jesus? And why, why, why do we get to that place? Because we don't understand the purpose of Scripture. We don't understand that it's a love letter from heaven. We don't understand it's the revelation of romance. The Bible is the revelation of romance. Every, every movie, every story that you've ever heard is the gospel. What, 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 what is, what is, what is the, the, the foundation of every good movie? Every, you, you, you have someone that is beloved, someone that is loved. And then some type of enemy comes in and robs, kills, destroys, disrupts the love. And then you have a hero, a heroine or a, or a hero that, that comes and does an amazing things to win back or to rescue that which is loved. And then... There is the celebration. There, there is the reunion. That's the basis of every, every movie, every storyline. That's the basis. It's just the gospel being shared over and over and over again. It's the revelation of the love of God. Truthfully, Jesus said that when you are approved and accepted and loved by your Father... He will tell you things to come. Think about that. Jesus said that when you, when you understand, when you're walking in fellowship with God, He will show you things to come. And when God's showing you things to come, there is, there's peace. He will tell you things to come as we fellowship with Him. And that will be a place of rest and peace. Every time you open the Bible, your heart's request should be, Father, Show me how much you love me. Show me how much you love me. If, if Paul said that we need strength to comprehend it, that, that it's the width, the height, the depth, the love of God that passes knowledge, you will never, ever be able to open up your Bible and say, I know all there is to know about the love of God. We should be reading the Bible and asking Holy Spirit, show me in a deeper and deeper way of how much I am loved by God. You will be shocked at the things that, you, that you've never seen before when you look at it based on it being a love letter written to you. Instead of reading it and, and getting condemnation and guilt that you, you're not measuring up. The reason why you read, when you read Scripture, you get guilt and condemnation those things because you're reading it 
through the lens of you trying to attain something that Christ has already given you. You're trying to earn it through the flesh rather than live in the grace of God. That's a huge difference. This is going to radically change. If you read read Scripture and it brings condemnation and guilt to you, you need to pause. You need to meditate. And you need to say, there's something that's not lining up. Now, you could be acting out in your flesh. And the reason why you're acting out in your flesh, you're saying, this isn't, you're seeing your true identity in Scripture. And you're saying, I'm not acting the way that I was created by my Heavenly Father to act. And if I'm not acting the way that I was created to act, then the way that I'm acting will break me. Will cause pain. Will cause suffering in my life. It's totally different. It's totally different than reading it and saying, I'm unworthy. No, you have been made worthy through Jesus Christ. You'll be shocked. I mean, just like that scripture we just read. It's shocking how that changes when you read it through the lens of not trying to achieve something from God, but you read it as it really actually is saying, it's trying to prove to yourself, because we are the variable, that you have been accepted by God. I know that there's those that disagree with me on this. And you can use the Word of God for all types of things. And the Word of God does cover many different issues. I agree with that. Of course it does. But that's not what we're talking about today. We're not talking about all the different issues that, that the Bible covers. We're talking about the purpose of reading the Scripture. What is the purpose behind us reading the Scripture? What is the purpose of studying Scripture? It's to show yourself how much the Father loves you, accepts you, approves of you. And with that as our foundation, He will re- reveal other things to you as well. As, we, as, he, as that, as that of our foundation, he will, you can rightly divide the word of truth. If you use the Bible for any other purpose than what it was created for, you'll get off track and into error. And that's where we struggle so much, is because we get off track and into error. We're not interpreting through the gospel. We're not interpreting through a love letter written from our Heavenly Father. We're not interpreting it to, as because of what Christ did, we are approved. You you read Scripture trying to find out what do I need to do to be approved? What do I need to do to have my prayers answered? What do I need to do to be righteous? What what do I need to do to be holy? That's why so many people read Scriptures, just to find out what do I need to do to get God to move off His throne and so that I'll be blessed in life. And that's not the purpose of Scripture. The Scripture is to reveal because of what Jesus Christ has done, you have been approved. In, in John chapter 1, verse 11, it says, He came to His own, and His own people did not accept Him. But as many as receive Him, to them He gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in His name. Question, will you be one who receives Him? Will you be one that receives Him? I'm talking about in your daily life. Will you receive the truth that you are loved, that you are approved by God? 
Because there are those that don't accept this. They reject this idea. They don't receive Jesus Christ and all He is and all they are in Him. They don't accept the idea that they are approved, that they are loved. Or, you, or will you live your life without ever experiencing the glorious power of being a child of God? There are so many Christians that do not know the joys of knowing that you are God's child. Not in some religious term analogy. Not in some, yeah, that says that in Scripture, but I'm talking about experiential. Knowing that God loves you. That you have a Father and He loves you. That He accepts you. That you are His son, you are His daughter, and He is well pleased. Will you believe and draw near to Him in intimate relationships so that you can ex experience sonship as He intended from the very beginning? Do you know that one of the reasons why we don't get into Scripture? is because we don't interpret it as a love letter. We don't interpret it as God revealing how much He loves us. Why would, you, why would you want to hang out with somebody that's always telling you how, how, how you're failing, all your shortcomings? All those, how many, you, you would not allow someone in your life to constantly berate you and put you down. You wouldn't allow it in the workplace. You wouldn't allow a teacher to do it to your kids. But for some reason, people will show up at church every Sunday and allow a pastor to say that that's what their Heavenly Father is doing to them. The reason we don't draw near is because we don't feel that we're accepted. We don't, we don't feel that we will be embraced. We fear approaching the throne of grace. See, the choice is ours. The choice is ours. Will we continue to live in self-effort and work in our own righteousness? Or will we accept Him? Accept Him and be made, become children of God because we believe in His name. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, it says, See how great a love the Father has given us that we would be called children of God. And in fact, we are. In fact, we are. You are right now a child of God. For this reason, the world does not know us because it did not know Him. Beloved, now we are children of God. And it has not appeared as yet what we will be. We know that when He appears, we will be like Him because we will see Him just as He is. Beloved, this is what God the Father called Jesus when He came up out of the waters. You are my beloved Son. This is how much God loves you. This is how much He loves you. He calls us His children of God and immediately says that you are His beloved. Before Jesus did one miracle, before Jesus preached one sermon, before He did anything worthy of being accepted by God, God says, you are my beloved. 
I am well pleased with you. And listen to me. It doesn't matter what you do in this earth. It doesn't matter what you do. You cannot change God's love for you. You cannot change that you are His beloved and, and that He is well pleased with you. How would your life change if every morning you got up and you knew how much God loved you and that He was so pleased with you? It, it would change that we're not trying to earn our Father's love. It says, it says that, that He calls us children of God and then we are beloved just as He did to Jesus. You are beloved of God and now we are children of God. It's not someday in the sweet by and by when you get to heaven. No, the Word reveals that now we are the children of God. You are the children of God as you sit here right now. We are His children now. Beloved, now we are the children of God and it, is, it, it has not appeared as yet as what we will be. We know that when we, He appears, we will be like Him because we will see Him just as He is. What? Do, you, do you know what this is saying here? This is saying that the Father calls you His child even though there are times that you might not look like it. He calls you His child. You are His child even when you act differently than He would act. Even when you don't sound like Him. When you speak to your family, your friends, or when you're speaking to yourself. It doesn't change the fact that you are a child. When you make the wrong or stupid decisions, and you do not represent God well. That's a, that's a way to represent when you, we're representatives of God. You need to think of that as I'm representing Christ. I'm representing God. It, it, when you're not re representing Him as who He truly is, it does not change who you are in God, in Him, and who God is in you. He remains Father. You remain Son. You remain Daughter. And as we see Him as He is more and more, you will experience God and reflect Him in your life more and more. The more you see God, and the more you understand who you are in Him, the more you will reflect that. Because it's your identity. You see yourself as you truly are in Him. And the more that you understand who, who God is, that He is love, that you, you are accepted, you have been approved of Him, that you are loved by Him. That is what changes you. It's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. It's the goodness. When you see how good God is, it causes you to change. Not out of fear, but out of love. The day will come, it says the day will come when you will see your Father completely as He is. Right? And you will look upon yourself on that day and realize that you, yourself, are just like Him. And we will be transformed in a twinkling of an eye. When we see Him, all of a sudden, boom, we're going to go, wow. That's 
who I've been all along. That you have always been a beloved son. You have always been a beloved daughter. In Romans chapter 8, verse 14, it says, For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons and daughters of God. When God tells us to be led by the Spirit, He's not talking about acting spooky. He's not talking about acting weird. You know, it's just funny how sometimes we, we think, again, we interpret Scripture through the wrong lenses of us trying to achieve something. Trying to make something happen. He's not talking about acting out in the flesh to look spiritual. But what he's saying is if you will just follow what is true in the Spirit. Your Spirit. What's true in your Spirit? As He is, as Jesus is, so are we in this world. That's being spiritual. I'm only going to think what is true in the Spirit. I am only going to act what's true in the Spirit. I am only going to talk what's true in the Spirit. I'm only going to see others based on what is true in the Spirit. And it says that when you follow Him in the Spirit, by what's true in the Spirit, you will be led of Him. If you follow what Jesus has already done in the Spirit, you will hear the sound of God's voice and what the Spirit of God is leading you to do. Look, and, and when, so when we, when we are led by the Spirit, when we acknowledge what's true in the Spirit already, what does that lead us to do? Let's look at the very next Scripture. How about, how about we do that? How about we ask the Bible what, what it leads us to do? For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons and daughters by which we cry, Abba, Father. That is what's true in the Spirit. That you are a son and daughter of God and He's leading you to cry out, Abba, Father. Literally, Daddy. Daddy. Jesus called upon Abba, Father in His most troubling moments of His life. When He... When, when he <laughs> When he focused on his intimate relationship with the Father, he found the strength in that relationship that carried him all the way through the cross. Understand something. If you do not understand, if you do not, if you're not rooted and grounded that God's your Father and your, your Father loves you, your Father loves you, you will spend a lot of time when the troubles of this world come knocking on your door trying to figure out why God's doing this to you. Do you know how many Christians are? Why God? Why God? If you are rooted and grounded in love, if you're rooted and grounded in that I am a daughter, I am a son of God, and God loves me, it should never enter your mind when the troubles of this world come that God has anything to do with bringing those troubles to you. That God even wills those troubles to be coming to you. Instead, you can... Say, God, why are these troubles coming? We find, we, and we can find strength in that love to be overcomers. Right? When you're rooted and grounded in the love of God, when you understand and comprehend the depths, the widths, the heights, then God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Amen.
In Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, it says, But when the fullness of time came, God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that He might redeem those that are under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons and daughters. You know, every word in, in Scripture is there for a reason. And when I always read this, and this isn't against anyone that's been adopted or anything, but this was my own unrenewed, un, lack of understanding Scripture that caused me to think this way. I always read this, well, we're just adopted. You know, we're not real kids. Am I the only one that ever thought that? Why does it call us adopted sons and daughters? It's because adopted children could not be disowned. When Paul wrote this, in, in, in Roman law, um, you could not disown an adopted child. Paul chose his words very carefully. He did not just say that we are children of God, but adopted. Not only becoming a child, but an adopted child. A position which could not be taken away regardless of performance or flaws. Once a child was adopted, you could never disown them even though you could disown your own children. Do you know that? During Paul's time, you could disown your own natural children, but you could not disown an adopted child. Why? Because they said that you had no choice. You had no choice with a child that was born to you. So if the child grew up and disgraced the family, the father could justify disinheriting them by saying, I didn't know he had all these flaws. Otherwise, I wouldn't have chosen him. But an adopted child was chosen specifically with full knowledge of their strengths and their weaknesses, their appearance, and anything else the family considered to be important. Therefore, a father could not justify disinheriting them. A father could never say, I didn't know what I was getting. Do you know that God knows what He got? God, when He adopted you as His son and He adopted you as His daughter, He knew exactly what He was getting. He knew the flaws and He, 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 knew, he knew your strengths. He knew everything about you. And you will never lose your inheritance because He chose you. You did not choose Him. Look at the following verse right after this. Because you are sons, God has sent His Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. As a child, you are an heir of God through Christ. You are joint heirs with Christ. Intimacy with Daddy enables you to step into to and enjoy your inheritance in Him. We get to know God for who He truly is. We get to spend time with Him. Find out what He thinks and how He feels about us, about you. 
This is a truth that you must be anchored in. You must be fully persuaded that you are God's child. Not, not in some Sunday morning, this is a nice message, that we're all children of God. But experience it for yourself. Is this your experience? Do you know with reckless abandonment that God has fully embraced you despite all that you are or all that you are not? You are a child of God. He is your Abba. He is your Daddy. And I know, I know we're so mature. And you can't, some of you cringe when I say daddy. There's no other name that my children could call me that does more to my heart than daddy. And if that does that to my heart, what do you think it does to your Abba? Think about it. Of all the names, all the names that the Spirit of God could be constantly pushing us to call God Elohim, Jehovah, all these names that are found in Scripture, of all the names, the Holy Spirit is working day and night to convince you that, you, that your spirit needs to be crying out, Abba, Daddy. The world needs to know that they have a daddy. That they have a father that loves them. When this is the cry of your, your, your heart, when it is, you, you'll fi find that walking in your inheritance becomes effortless. I mean, think, think about how many times we think our thought life goes immediately to why is God allowing this to happen when something bad happens? It's just proof that you're not rooted. We're not rooted and grounded in, that should, in, in the love of God. There are things that people blame God for that you would go to prison for if you did it to your own children. And we, we try to make it spiritual. No, you are loved by God. And our minds should never go to, why has God done this? Why has God forsaken me? Why has He abandoned me? He can't. You're adopted. He chose you. Amen? I mean, when you're walking in your hair, it just becomes effortless. It becomes something that just happens along the way as you enjoy walking and talking in harmony with your Heavenly Father. We shouldn't be trying to get our inheritance. We're not fighting the courts of heaven. I know, I know some of you fight for your inheritance between your loved ones here on earth, but we don't have to fight with God for our inheritance. It just comes to you effortlessly. It just drops in your life. Right? And that's what our walking in the inheritance, we shouldn't be trying to, to get the inheritance from God, like twist His arm and pry it from His stingy fingers. We just walk in fellowship with God. And the inheritance just manifests as we go. This is, this is a totally different way of living. 
I mean, do you know how many books, how-to books in Christendom are irrelevant? Five steps to getting God to hear your prayers. 78 steps to being healed. All of these things. Yes, is there principles that we apply to our life, but none of the principles apply to us trying to get God to move? He's already moved. You're already His child. You already have the inheritance. All the promises have their yes and their amen already. You don't even have to ask God if it's His will because He's already said yes. Are you going to add your amen? Amen. Stuff happens in the world, right? The, 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 the excrement hits the fan sometimes, right? And it goes all over the place. Stuff, stuff happens. And things go wrong. But having intimacy with God will carry you through. It will carry you through any storm of life. That's how Jesus did it. And that's how we're called to do it also. We need to concentrate on developing an intimate relationship with God our Father through Jesus Christ His Son. It doesn't matter if the economy is good. It doesn't matter if the, if gas is, if the, if the economy is bad. It doesn't matter if, if gas prices skyrocket. It doesn't matter if, if there's jobs or if there's no jobs. If what's available and what's not available, if the, if the, if the grocery store is bare, um, God is enough for you. Is God enough for you? You know, it's it's interesting that when you look at individuals that God was enough for them. Isaac sowed in drought and reaped a hundredfold. It's just amazing when God is enough for you. Because of my relationship with God, I will always overcome. I will always make it. Circumstances change. My adoption does not. It never changes. My Father is more than enough for me. Amen? How about you? Say with me. I am accepted by God. I have been adopted by God. And I am fully approved by God. If Daddy is for me, whom shall I fear? Amen? Amen. Heavenly Father, we just thank You. We thank You that we are accepted. We are adopted. And we are approved of God. No weapon formed against us shall prosper. God is for us. Who can be against us? Father, we just ask that You would constantly tune our ears to what the Spirit is leading us to cry. And that is, Abba, Father. Daddy, Daddy. May the revelation of this truth transform our minds and transform the way that we live. That we would see ourselves as accepted by God. Not trying to be accepted, but already accepted. That we are His beloved and nothing in this world will ever change that. We thank You for the revelation of Jesus Christ. The Word that became flesh and dwelt among us. Our Savior and our God. We love You and we praise You. And we sing to You praises of, uh, of, of just joy on being children of God. We just love You and we thank You in Jesus' name. Amen. From Karis New Testament Church. For more information or to contact us, go to www.karisntc.com.